Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Scott Foster here with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Susan Littlefield, Jason Jorgensen, and a very short Bob Brogan in here today. And uh, I think somebody messed with Bob, don't you think there, Jason? He's, he's really low. He has his chair not more than a foot off of the ground, and he's to the right of me, and he looks like he's four years old right now. He really does. Bob, there's a level on that chair, and you can hit that, and it will raise the chair up. Uh, he's apparently busy. So, all right. Well, you guys, you enjoy yourself down there, Bob. Let's turn things over to Susan Littlefield. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Just pass him the soybean base crayons. He'll be ready to go. <laughs> That's great. Absolutely. I would love to see. That would be a great uh, social networking opportunity for us. Very much so. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. So what do you got for us today? <laughs> Starting here at 12:19, Renewable Fuels Association's chief economist will talk about the recent study that shows ethanol could actually help the U.S. when it comes to energy independence and security, something that might not come as a surprise to those within the ag industry. Then stepping in at 12.45, we're going to hear from Jim Baldano and the Team Jack Radiothon as Dave Schroeder will be bringing us more information. And then at 117, Amanda Radke is a South Dakota beef rancher, and she has put out a request to Ellen DeGeneres to be able to talk the true story behind beef and how it's raised. And it's caused um, a little bit of a ruffled feathers, shall we say, amongst those outside of the ag industry. So we'll have more on that at 117. Oh, very interesting. Okay. All right. That should be cool. Thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen and uh, game day getting set to go in Lincoln and busy week. Lots of stuff going on. Everybody's excited about that. Also, uh, a lot of people excited about Nebraska men's basketball. They begin Mm -hmm. their first official practice of the fall today, and we will hear from head coach Fred Hoiberg about the biggest thing that he's seen come together for this team in the offseason, of course, since getting the job overhauled the entire roster yeah uh, nine to ten new players in there they had that trip to europe which was very good and beneficial for them and of course friday night they have an open practice in which they've sold almost thirteen thousand tickets the pba will be sold out for a for practice, practice on friday night that, that'll be the hottest ticket in town on friday night in lincoln wow isn't that amazing just just lead right into the ohio state game the next week that's going to be a party at the haymarket for sure so all of that's coming up also we'll talk some baseball uh washington was able to claim at least a spot in the playoffs with their sweep yesterday and uh, minnesota stands on the doorstep of eventually clinching the al central Hmm. all those home runs we'll see how that works for them in uh postseason play and uh cub fans are wringing their hands and they want to drive out their manager, so nothing new there. I've, that's true. And I've heard that he may be headed uh, west, possibly, to San Diego, so we'll see about that. All right, very good. Bob, I know you're there somewhere. I can't see you. Uh, what do you got for us today? Well, we got the lowdown on the business today. Stocks are higher at midday after President Donald Trump indicated a trade deal with China could happen soon. Tech companies, which have strong business ties to China, reversed some of their earlier losses and chip maker Micron rose 2%. Meanwhile, e-cigarette maker Juul is shutting down broadcast, print, and digital advertising and ending lobbying efforts in Washington as safety concerns over vaping intensifies. Those stories and more coming up. All right, that's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting us and affecting our agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with us here today in a picture-perfect autumn day. Yes, uh, what you think of for an ideal September day is going on right now. Absolutely, and here we are. (laughs) Stuck inside. Stuck inside. One of the days we regret being inside. That's right. There's There's many others that we're pretty glad to be in here. But it looks like uh, we could have some interesting weather down the pipe here coming up. Yeah, especially early next week, turning on the wetter and cooler side, and of course uh, more to our north, uh, expecting even some winter-like conditions as you head towards the Dakotas and Montana as we head towards next week. Yes. Right now, we're enjoying these nice temperatures, as we mentioned. Most of us with temperatures right now in the upper 60s to the low 70s. We do have some mid-70s as you head towards southeast Nebraska into eastern areas of Kansas, but underneath a blanket of clouds across the northern portions of Nebraska, especially along and north of a line from about Alliance to Mullen, Albion, and Tecama, quite a bit of cloud cover, and that's where temperatures are in the upper 50s to the low 60s and those clouds from some light rain across much of northern uh, southern south dakota right now our temperatures for today seasonal with some sunshine mainly light north winds high pressure pushing in from the northwest with those conditions now our temperatures will stay seasonal tomorrow but we're going to get some strong winds out of the south as high pressure exits to the east and low pressure approaches from the west will be in between those systems with those strong south winds a few thunderstorms are possible as the cold front moves through for tomorrow night Friday and Saturday, some of the coolest in the next seven days for temperatures with some easterly winds off high pressure over the Great Lakes, keeping it fairly cloudy. Some weak disturbances can also kick up a few thunderstorms. Thunderstorm is also possible with the warm front that lifts north by Saturday night. We're going to have some of those coolest days on Friday and Saturday, and then behind that warm front on Sunday, the warmest of the next seven days with daytime highs about 10 degrees above normal. So in just a few days, we're going to go from temperatures about 10 degrees cooler than normal to 10 degrees above normal. I guess that's it, Nebraska in <laughs> the fall here. Why not? Why not? Exactly. Temperatures cooling back to seasonal for early next week when a cold front stalls out in the region. That front will be the focus for multiple rounds of thunderstorms Monday night into Wednesday. Also a time to watch for possibly excessive rain and flooding. In our latest long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be seasonal to slightly cooler than normal for Monday through the first eight days of October. Looks like that bulk of the cold air to our north. Above normal rainfalls forecast for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through the 8th of October, especially that early to middle part of next week. The Weather Prediction Center does indicate about a quarter to a half an inch of rain will fall for areas along and west of a line from O'Neill to North Platte McCook into northwest Kansas between now and next Wednesday. Central areas of Nebraska and Kansas should see rain totals of three quarters of an inch to about an inch and a half. Three to six inches of rain will be possible from eastern areas of Nebraska and northeast Kansas also into the northern Midwest. You can see that forecast map on our KRVN Facebook page. And once again, those rain totals between now and next Wednesday. Key weather factors in the market include stormy weather for the Midwest and northern plains and better rain chances for soybean areas of central Brazil. For the Midwest, a rainy pattern will lead to additional flooding, especially over western and north central areas. Temperatures will also turn cooler 10 days out from now with some chance of frost in northwestern areas. Heavy rain in the northern plains expected to spread east over the weekend. Some very heavy snow is even possible in Montana. A cold wave expanding from Montana into North Dakota will be unfavorable for still maturing corn and soybeans. A hard freeze likely in central Montana with a light freeze for eastern Montana 
through central North Dakota. In the Canadian prairies, immature crops will be at risk from a season-ending hard freeze that's coming up this weekend. Brazil's central crop areas cooler with rain the rest of this week. That will uh, that change in the weather will help to improve the prospect for soybean planting after they've been rather hot and dry of late. Well, you said a lot of things you haven't said for quite a few months there today, Paul. Yeah, you? that little less snow were there. Snow, heavy snow. They yeah. talked blizzard conditions yeah. even possibly. Yeah, so it looks like you have Montana kind of under the gun for a lot of moisture, and especially could be in the way of some snow. Cold wow. enough for that, believe it or not. Yikes. <laughs> All right, very good. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather, sir? KRVN.com. U.S. energy independence through ethanol? It's plausible, and the Renewable Fuels Association has the study to prove it. I'm Clay Patton here on the Rural Radio Network. The Renewable Fuels Association recently released a study that they were a part of that that shows the possibility of energy independence and the role that biofuels, ethanol can play in that. So we're going to dive into this subject a little bit deeper. Helping us navigate this topic is Renewable Fuels Association Chief Economist Scott Richmond. And Scott, thank you so much for being able to join us today. I think as we get started first, give us an overview of Dr. Burglar study and what the results were, what it showed about uh, the possibility of ethanol and U.S. energy independence. Glad to join you. Dr. Verlager took a look at four different aspects of the role of ethanol and uh, the renewable fuel standard in particular in the fuel market. The centerpiece of the study was an econometric analysis that Dr. Verlager did. It took a look at the impact of the renewable fuel standard on uh, the gasoline prices that we all pay uh, every day. That was full quantitative analysis of what happens to, to gasoline prices. Then he also took a look at three other areas that are they're pretty important as far as the fuel markets go. First, those, and we couldn't have known how important this would be at the time, was the implications for energy security. The second was implications for competition in the fuel sector. And then the last was ethanol's benefits in uh, acting as a source of octane in the U.S. market. So I'll give you kind of a a quick summary of of each of those areas. And one thing that people always care about is what's the impact on gasoline prices. And Dr. Verliger found uh, that gasoline prices uh, over the last four years were an average of 22 cents per gallon lower than they otherwise would have been in the absence of the RFS. So that equates to $5 for, uh, for every fill-up and about $250 per year uh, per American family. So we're talking real numbers as, as a result of the renewable fuel standard. Another very interesting uh, uh, finding of his, he goes through uh, about 19 market disruptions that have happened in, in the petroleum markets uh, since the oil embargo of 1973. He goes through an analysis of how uh, ethanol helps with, uh, and renewable fuels overall, help with energy security. Uh, and what he found, uh, in his words, uh, were that renewable fuels provide a very large measure of protection against the economic impact of future disruptions uh, in petroleum, which we've seen over the last week, and uh, it's uh, kind of reinforced how important that is. A couple of other uh, quick things that uh, that he did look at was um, how the presence uh, of a competitive fuel marketing sector dovetails uh, with the availability of renewable fuels and the fact that ethanol uh, is blended downstream of the refinery uh, to re- really provide a counterbalance to uh, the market power of what's become a very consolidated uh, refining sector. 
Uh, and then finally, uh, he looks at the benefit of, uh, of using octane as, as ethanol being the primary source of octane uh, in U.S. gasoline. Uh, it's, uh, of, of any major component, it has the highest octane rating and is available at the lowest cost. So you put all those together, and he paints a you know a pretty comprehensive picture uh, of the role of ethanol and the renew- renewable fuel standard in helping gas prices and with uh, and with fuel supplies. That again, Renewable Fuels Association Chief Economist Scott Richmond joining us on the Rural Radio Network. Make sure to tune in tomorrow as we continue the conversation and see how ethanol played a key role in helping to curb some of the supply issues following the attack on Saudi Arabian oil supplies. This is the Rural Radio Network. It is time for us to take a look at our sports and see what's going on around the area and uh, busy time. And, of course, a lot of the discussion around uh, game day and the Huskers taking on Ohio State. But, gosh, basketball's not far away, is it, Jason? Sneak you right up on us. Fred Hoiberg and the Huskers start practice officially today. They get set for one of the most anticipated seasons in Big Red basketball in quite some time. Of course, after being hired, Hoiberg, he retooled the entire roster, brought in a number of new players, and he talks about how seeing them start to come together. Uh, to, to have everything that we've had so far with, with all the new players, um, it, it's, it's all part of it. Uh, I have seen tremendous growth with, uh, with chemistry, and you know, when we were first together, it was everybody kind of off into, individually trying to figure each other out. The fun thing now is you see their personalities uh, starting to come out, and you see the guys getting more comfortable with each other. Hoiberg and the Huskers will hold an open practice on Friday night at Pinnacle Bank Arena. I never would have thought this, that Nebraska would sell out and have almost 13,000 fans at a practice. This fan base is hungry for good basketball. They really are. And so, hmm, we'll see if this is it. And you and I have been long-suffering Nebraska basketball fans (laughs) most of our lives, and we're still waiting to see the Big right. Red win an NCAA tournament game, so we're not alone. Well, we're not, and and we'll we'll see it. We'll buy it when we see it. I think. True. After a big 31-24 win on the road over Mississippi State two weeks ago, Kansas State has risen to 24th in the latest AP rankings. Coming out the first of two bye weeks this season, head coach Chris Kleiman talks about what his team's schedule is like this week. It's good to be back. We uh, are excited to get back in into playing mode. Had the guys back. Had more than a typical Monday workout, and uh, we'll go in pads again. And uh, excited about the challenge. It's going to be a great challenge on Saturday against a great Oklahoma State team in a tough environment. But um, we'll uh, put together game plans and, and keep ironing things out and uh, hope the guys uh, play really well. So I'm, I know they're excited about the, the opportunity. I like that guy. I think he's a keeper for the folks there in Manhattan. Of course, he'll travel to 3-1 Oklahoma State on Saturday. Kickoff is set for 6 in Stillwater. The Brewers are on the verge of another postseason berth. Milwaukee can lock up an NL wild card with a win over Cincinnati or losses by the Cubs and Mets. Just like last season when the Brewers put together a late rush to take the NL Central, they have closed in on a playoff spot with a September flourish. They've won 16 of their last 18, positioning themselves for a wildcard showdown with Washington. And the crazy thing is they've done this without Christian Yelich. Right, that was the thing. They've done that without their MVP. They lose a little big bat in the middle, and they just kept on winning. And the Twins can clinch their first AL Central title since 2010 with a win over Detroit and a loss by Cleveland against the White Sox. Minnesota's had a year to remember. They are 97-60. and 60. It's their most victory since going 98-64 and 64 back in 1970. 
And with three wins in their final five games, they can become the record fourth team in the majors this year with 100 victories. So you had a number of teams that had great seasons, and then the teams you and I follow, the Padres and Royals. Well, like it's, we're not used to that. <laughs> well below 500. <laughs> that is a look at sports. For more, you can check that out anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. All right. Thank you, Jason. Congressman Adrian Smith's bill to rename Homestead National Monument in Gage County as Homestead National Historical Park passed the House Natural Resources Committee today. Smith said correctly naming the Homestead National Monument as a National Historic Park clears up confusion and will hopefully increase attendance in the future. He says the important legislation passed the Natural Resources Committee and he looks forward to hopefully considering the bill before the full House. The bill is co-sponsored by Representatives Jeff Fortenberry and Don Bacon and also enjoys support of the Friends of Homestead National Monument of America. A police helicopter is again deployed over Omaha. An Omaha police spokeswoman said the patrols resumed yesterday. Two pilots suffered minor injuries in mid-August when one of the department's two helicopters crashed at the Blair Airport where they're based. The other helicopter wasn't available for duty because it was undergoing maintenance. Authorities say one man has died in a two-vehicle crash in northeast Nebraska. It happened around 9 p.m. Monday on Highway 35, about five miles south of Windside. Investigators say a southbound vehicle hit a southbound semi-trailer, causing the small vehicle to roll into a ditch. A passenger in the vehicle, Andrew Redwing of Norfolk, was pronounced deceased at the scene. The driver of the vehicle was flown to a Sioux City, Iowa hospital. The semi-driver was not injured and the accident remains under investigation. A southeast Nebraska man has been sentenced to jail and probation for stealing thousands of dollars worth of brass from his employer. The Mohawk County District Court records show 26-year-old Justin Hurd of Auburn pleading no contest to seven counts after prosecutors dropped seven others in return. The court document says a surveillance system showed Hurd loading brass into a vehicle at Magnolia Metal in rural Auburn. Investigators say he sold the brass for nearly $14,000 to a recycler in Council Bluffs, Iowa. The crimes began occurring in August of last year. He was also ordered to pay restitution of nearly $22,400. A teacher's been accused of dragging a 10-year-old student across the floor in an Omaha school. Police say the boy had four or five rug burns on his back after the September 6th incident. Millard Public School spokeswoman Rebecca Kleeman said several staffers at Walt Disney Elementary saw and reported what she described as unacceptable roughness with a student to school administrators. The teacher has been placed on administrative leave. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. The 7th Annual Team Jack Radiothon will be held on Thursday, September 26th. It will originate in Elwood at the Home Agency. And with me from the Home Agency is Jim Baldonado. Jim, tell me about how your organization got involved with the Team Jack Foundation. Well, Dave, we got involved with it six years ago, and it was right after Jack had that great run in Memorial Stadium that we decided that uh, this was a program that we wanted to participate with, and so we got in a hold of uh, Team Jack, and uh, and then we started participating in the Radiothon and then some of the other things that they do throughout the year, and we're able to bring it to Elwood uh, this coming Thursday. 
So uh, you can listen all day long. We'll have uh, the Team Jack Radiothon on our uh, sister station, KAMI. And then we'll also have the final hour of the telethon on 880 AM, KRVN. Jim, tell us about the brain cancer statistics. Uh, There's something we really need to consider here. Well, each year, approximately 4,600 children are diagnosed with cancer. And of those, 30% will not survive. You know, that breaks down to 13 kids per day, you know, with a brain tumor. Childhood brain cancer is the number one leading cancer cause of death in children in the United States. And due to very little federal funding on pediatric brain cancer research, private foundations like Team Jack play a critical role in this uh, supporting research. First-line chemotherapy for the most common form of brain cancer has remained unchanged for nearly 30 years. Less than 4% of the National Cancer Institute's research investments are spent on childhood cancer, meaning even less is, is spent on uh, pediatric brain cancer. The biggest obstacle in new childhood brain tumor research studies is the lack of funding. And that's where Team Jack and the Team Jack Foundation comes into play, is that all the monies that we raise, whether it's through the the foundation and the gala that they have in, in February or the Radiothon, it goes to research, which is very, very important. In addition uh, to funding research, the Team Jack Foundation works closely with over 50 families here in Nebraska and, or, and surrounding states who are affected by brain cancer. And this is uh, really, this stands out to me. Nationally, Nebraska has the fifth largest incidence per capita uh, and even more alarming is that we have the highest mortality rate in the United States with uh, pediatric brain cancer. So, you know, those are some things that really stand out. Now, what's going to happen on Thursday? Yes. Uh, we have a number of radio stations like you guys coming to town for the Radiothon. We'll be manning phones from 7 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock that afternoon with my staff and a lot of volunteers throughout uh, the Elwood area. We will have a citywide bake sale that a lot of different organizations and people are bringing things in. So uh, stop by and pick up your goodies. For people that uh, want to come in over the lunch hour from 11 to 1, we will be providing hamburgers, brats, and my wife's famous potato salad that everybody seems to like for anybody that makes a donation during that time frame. There's going to be a quilt raffle that's donated by a lady there in Elwood. And also, you know, when you come to town, look for this great big red Team Jack tent. That was so graciously donated by Larry Paulson and Paulson Inc. Uh, we couldn't thank him enough. That's something new to Team Jack. Before we were talking uh, on the air here, you related uh, something else about the meaning of this uh, Team Jack Foundation to you. You know, we've been involved with Team Jack for six years, and we're also involved with Make-A-Wish as well, and, and those sometimes go hand in hand. And I've told people many a times, I just couldn't imagine having a child or a grandchild having a disease like this. I couldn't do it. And it takes a very special person or family or families uh, to be able to handle this and I was listening to a song one morning while I was exercising, and, and it was by Brad Paisley, and he was talking about one of those lives is the name of the song, and he's talking about how he was having a bad day at work, uh, things weren't going right, and now he's stuck in rush hour traffic, and uh, his wife calls him, and he's telling her how bad his day was, and she tells him that 
their friends, Tommy and Jamie's little boy, they got a phone call today that his cancer was back. We all have bad days, but how, how bad a day would it be to get that phone call? Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a child or a grandchild or, or your spouse or whatever, you know, to get that phone call is just devastating. And, and uh, I'm lucky enough, or we're lucky enough, and the home agency wants to do what we can to give back to organizations like Team Jack because I would much rather be on my side of the fence and be able to give when we can than to be someone on the other side of the fence uh, that that gets that phone call. And it, and it just doesn't affect the child and its parents. It affects everyone around them, the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, the brothers and sisters, um, because their life changes. And, uh, and uh, you know, with an organization like Team Jack, you know, we're donating our monies and trying to, to make things better for these kids. And uh, hopefully one of these days we'll find a cure for that. And so, uh, you know, rather than, uh, you know, having one of those days, you know, let's try to get uh, some help so people don't have to have one of those lives. Been visiting with Jim Baldonado of the Home Agency in Elwood, who is hosting the Team Jack uh, Radiothon coming up on Thursday, September 26th. It's all day long. Feel free to stop down at the Home Agency in Elwood that day, or also uh, there will be numbers uh, that you'll hear on the air that you can call in and uh, give your donation to the uh, Team Jack Foundation, Finding a Cure for Pediatric Brain Cancer. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at uh, business and see what's going on around the world and here a little closer to home. First of all, in the overnights, not so good across the world. The Japanese Nikkei index down 78. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was down almost 400 points. The FTSE in London was down one. And the German DAX index was down 72 points at 12,000. Here in the United States, the stock market is doing better than it was yesterday anyway. All green across the board. The Dow Jones Industrial Average at 154. The NASDAQ was at up 47. And the S&P up 12 right now. So nice recovery, especially by the NASDAQ there. Bob Brogan's in here with more. Stocks are higher in midday trading on Wall Street after President Donald Trump indicated a trade deal with China could happen soon. Banks rose as bond yields went up. After Mr. Trump told reporters that a deal with China could happen sooner than expected, technology companies which have strong business ties to China reversed earlier losses, and chipmaker Micron rose 2%. Nike rose after its first quarter profit beat analysts' estimates. Meanwhile, we're uh, looking at uh, some concerns about vaping. E-cigarette maker Juul is shutting down broadcast, print, and digital advertising and ending lobbying efforts in Washington as safety concerns over vaping intensify. And some communities, such as Kearney, Nebraska, are taking a hard look at the vaping issue. Kearney Mayor Stan Klaus, for example, has ordered city staff to study whether vaping constitutes a public health threat and whether the city of Kearney should enact a ban on vaping in public places. And uh, he notes that a ban on vaping in public places uh, went into effect in Grand Island. That went into effect 
on September 11th. The CEO of eBay is stepping down as online retailer attempts uh, as the online retailer attempts to sell or spin off uh, some of its major assets. CFO Scott Shankel will become the interim chief executive as the company seeks a permanent replacement for CEO Devin Wenig. U.S. new home sales jumped 7.1 percent in August as low mortgage rates pull buyers into the housing market. The Commerce Department says new home sales increased to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 713,000, up from a revised 666,000 in July. So far this year, sales have risen a healthy 6.4 percent. That's what's happening in the business world, and I'm Bob Brogan. Thanks, Lad Bob. Uh, check on oil prices down 2 percent right now. Almost almost under $56 a barrel. That's your business check here on 880KRVN. It's 12.56. Sometimes all it takes is one voice. Are you that voice? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. That voice I'm talking about that's making waves in agriculture right now happens to be that of Amanda Radke. Now, Amanda is a beef producer from the state of South Dakota and recently reached out after seeing a Instagram comment from Ellen DeGeneres about beef. She was telling people that eating meat was bad for our health and for the animals and for the planet, and she used the hashtag, uh, be neat, eat less meat. And I was really frustrated not because of you know her decision to go plant-based or eat differently than I do but mostly I was frustrated because of the misinformation about the beef industry that she had shared and so um, in my open letter which I posted at beefmagazine.com I truly just wanted to invite Ellen to have a discussion and kind of hear some of the facts and and give her fans and her followers the information that they would need to make informed decisions you know based on science and, and not propaganda. And in reaching out to Ellen DeGeneres, Amanda has put her and her family out there in the public limelight. Not only is she getting the way to go, Amanda's, from some of those in the ag industry, she unfortunately is getting some negative feedback as well. But she continues to push the message about beef. I mean, this is really about protecting our freedoms and our liberties to uh, produce what we want on our land and also go to the grocery store and be able to buy the foods that work for our families and our own personal dietary choices. Do you think you're making a difference? <laughs> I, I hope so. You know, by by the week's end, I'll have done at least 15 media interviews and, and some of them are, about our course, you know, in the ag community, but many of them are outside and the egg community and so just general population is is hearing this and um, I'm just thrilled that the message is resonating and I'm able to talk about the myth between cattle and climate change and, and try to dispel some of this misinformation that's out there because it's just it's overwhelming how much is out there against you know the little humble beef cow that does so much for us and and so we definitely have our work cut out for us and I'm really just getting started, and I hope others will join in because we need strong voices right now. What has been your biggest takeaway from when you first made that post to today? You know, my biggest takeaway, I guess, is that, um, you know, if you put your heart on your sleeve and you just be your authentic self um, and find your shared value with the consumers, whether that's nutrition or the environment or animal welfare or um, you know, family farms that, that our consumers love. If you can find that shared common ground, I think we can really 
um, bridge the gap and build those relationships and, and regain consumer trust in who we are in agriculture. And so through this whole thing, I'm just trying to be myself and, and represent this industry to the best of my ability. And, you know, if I, if I do that, I, I don't have any regrets. And, you know, that's even equating in, you know, some of the media, they might be editing me in ways I don't like or, you know, changing my message in ways that isn't great. But if I try my best, that's all I can do. Anything else that you would like to add? If I could give a shameless plug for my um, children's books, Levi's Lost Calf and Can Do Cow Kids, um, that's really my passion project is getting into schools and promoting egg literacy. And it's- and those books, by the way, are a great read. Amanda Radke joining us as she talks about the work she's doing to tell the story of beef. I'm Susan Littlefield, Info Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. Winter wheat futures closed lower today. Soybeans were lower. Corn fractionally mixed, but it was spring wheat futures that rallied. We're with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. So, John, the positive news regarding uh, adverse weather in the northern plains really helped out spring wheat, but the rest of the market seemed immune from positive news. Yeah, I know. It's a little baffling that uh, Casey Wheat can't move on this, and I think that's kind of a bad sign. And not so much for, for the general markets, but just the fact that we've rallied close to 60 cents here and off the lows in feeder cattle, and we've only moved about 20, you know 15 off the lows in, in uh, I'm sorry, feeder cattle in uh, Minneapolis wheat, and only moved about 15 off the lows in KC wheat. Uh, KC wheat's kind of a key to the corn market, in my opinion, for, for corn to really get going. And I mean, to see this thing above $4, you're going to need to see KC wheat lead it up. We're not going to see corn above KC wheat at this time, given the amount of supply we have. So that's kind of a limiting factor here. Uh, I think today, just not a whole lot of news to buy into. Brazil looks like they're going to be a little bit wetter than we thought, and uh, the forecast for a lot of the Western Corn Belt look to be, I guess it's going to be wet, but not as bad as they thought it was going to be. So, um, you know, markets have rallied. We got a report on Monday that will probably be bearish, given that we're going to talk about near-term supply. But, you know, I think you got to take a little bit of a cue from the Minneapolis market that uh, this, this market can rally if, if there's a reason to. And I think corn... Um, you know, is probably the one here. I, I almost think soybeans are, are the, the, the market to take advantage of, though, just given that um, weather here is going to be a huge detriment, I think, to yield. Yes, uh, the forecast is calling for a lot more rain in a good portion of the corn and soybean belt, particularly northern Illinois and Iowa and southern Wisconsin. With that, of course, there'll be delays in the harvest. Quality will be reduced, so there should be some underlying support for price. Absolutely, and I think you're seeing on the cash side, basis, I just was on the phone with a guy from the other side of uh, Missouri from where, you, for, from where uh, Kansas City is, and he, he said that uh, the base is really jumping there. Uh, we, need, we need to get product moving out this way, but there just isn't you know, anything really available. High moisture corn is coming out right now. I think it's, I talked to a guy harvesting right around Springfield, did 280 a year ago. He's doing 250 today uh, on 25% moisture corn, though. So, um, you know, anything that can be pulled out high moisture will. But if you're waiting, I think, I think it's going to be a while for corn. Uh, more up north, though, the bean, the bean harvest is the one I worry about. The folks in Iowa are ready to go. They're going to be ready soon on soybeans, but this rain and, and the cool temperatures are going to keep folks out of it. So short term, I, uh, I think you got to be ready to buy the break on the Monday report if it's there. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Their website, danielsagmarketing.com. 
And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN for a Wednesday. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.